So this is the week where we're beginning our readings again. I'll give you a couple thoughts along those lines also. Um, have you ever, have you ever had a, a, maybe when you look back at your life, when you encountered some passage in the scriptures for the first time, and you don't even know why, but it just really grabbed you. You're like, I really like that verse. I don't even know why, but that verse just makes me, it, I have a really good feeling about that. I can think back to my childhood and my teens, and I had a couple of verses like that, and they were just my favorites, and I couldn't even say why. Like, I hadn't really thought it through, but I was like, I really like that. And uh, th this is one of them. And I, I think perhaps it was rather depictive of the direction that I ended up going in life. In, um, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 52, we have Yeshua saying this. It's at the end of a chapter where he's telling this series of stories. He's just telling stories. And then he leaves people to figure out the stories and be like, what was he talking about? He was just talking about a farmer and, you know, talking about some fishermen and talking about some merchant, but... I think he was talking about something more than that. And this is, this is how he ends that chapter. He says in Matthew 13, 52, Therefore every scribe, the Hebrew word for a scribe is a sofer. Everybody say sofer. It's, uh, it's, in the Jewish world, a sofer is the person who writes Torah scrolls. So this is the guy who is fluent in the Torah, who, who is a Hebrew scholar, who writes Torah scrolls, and who also teaches the Torah. In fact, some Hebrew Roots translations translate scribe as a Torah teacher. And, that, and that's a good translation. So a person who is well-versed in the Hebrew literature, a person who understands the Torah, that kind of guy who has also become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven, what is he like? He's like a homeowner, the head of a household, who brings out of his his, his, um, his treasury, or um, out of his, uh, his, store, his, his store, storage rooms, new things and old things. So did you get that? Yeshua said there's a certain type of person who knows the Hebrew Bible and who, is, who understands the Torah. And when that type of person is combined with a person who is a disciple of the kingdom of heaven, someone who is immersed in the Holy Spirit, someone who understands the heavenly dynamic, someone who is powerful in the new covenant, someone who is oriented around Yeshua is the greatest rabbi ever in Yeshua's profound teachings. When you get, that, when you get those two elements and they, they become combined, it's very engaging. It's like a person who who is a homeowner, and he has, he like, he has treasures. He has rooms full of treasures, and some of them are ancient treasures, and some of them are new treasures. Like, really, really nice antiques, and archaeological artifacts, and like, and really fancy new hip furniture, and cool stuff. Um, works of art. I'm, I'm trying to kind of think of, trying to get the feel, but that's the idea. And, and I believe that the Hebrew Roots movement in general, the Messianic Jewish community, that is our calling. We, we are people who combine the old and the new, and they illustrate each other. And uh, it's very engaging. There's something there for everybody. So, um, it's kind of cool. That was, just, that was just a verse that I loved when I was little, and I didn't even know why. Now I know why, because that's what I became. That's what we as a community are. Um, so that's, um, that's why we read the Pentateuch and we study the Old Testament avidly. That's also why we love the writings of Yeshua's apostles. That's why we focus on our identity as disciples of the Master. 
I'm going to give you three more perspectives here on why we read the Bible and why we read both sections so much. In, uh, in the Gospel of John, Yohanan chapter 8, verse 31, Yeshua said something well known. He said, if you do this, then you're really my disciples. He said, if you stay in my word, then you're really my disciples. So did you notice that? He didn't say, if you get into my word occasionally. He didn't say if you kind of plug into the New Testament and read through it once. He said if you stay in my word, and he said that to a community of people, then you're really my disciples. So staying in the word, studying the word, applying the word, loving it, this is the prerequisite to discipleship. This is probably the one thing that enables us to grow in discipleship more than anything. And uh, notice it's Yeshua's word. So um, he goes on to say, if we do that, we'll come to know the truth. And the truth is going to set you free. And I love that. Yeah, many translations will say abide or dwell. Yeah, and yeah, that same idea, hey? Like, where you abide is where you make your home. It's where you, where you stay long term. And that's very true. Yeshua said when we abide in him, he abides in us. So correlatively, I'm thinking with you on this one, if we abide in his word... His word's going to be staying in us too. It'll come up in our conversations and how we think, um, etc. Yeah. Um, one, one of my greatest heroes, the people that I most admire in, um, from, from the early Yeshua movement, is a woman. And her, he, she was named after the, sister, the older sister of Moses. Uh, the older sister of Moses was a prophetess on a national level. She led the women of Israel in celebrating and just jamming out on the tambourine and dancing. Her name was Miriam. And there were lots of Miriams in Yeshua's generation. His mom was named Miriam. Um, also, he was really good friends with this uh, little sibling group that lived just outside in the suburbs of Jerusalem. Um, there, was, there, was a, there was a guy named Eleazar or Lazarus, and then he had two sisters, Martha, which is an Aramaic word name that means lady, and Miriam. And uh, Miriam is one of my greatest heroes. Um, we read in Luke chapter 10 that um, Yeshua, he, he'd just come and hang out at their place. He, he really enjoyed being with them. He'd just come stay at their place. And uh, one time he was sitting there teaching, and, uh, and um, Miriam just sat down, and just, she just planted herself at his feet, and she just, she just like lapped up his every word. She just took it all in. She was so zeroed in on what Yeshua had to say. And uh, Martha... Um, was pretty busy, you know, taking care of practical stuff. And uh, we need both kinds of people, and both kinds of people have their strengths and weaknesses. But Yeshua said, Miriam chose the best. Something that would last, something that wouldn't be taken away from her. And uh, I, Miriam is, I, I would like for her to be one of the patron saints of our community, if I could use that term. Like one of the people that we really structure our lives after. I pray that we as a community can grow not only in industriousness, in service, in working for the kingdom, but also in cultivating an inner devotion to the Master where we regularly just plunk ourselves down at His feet and just listen to His words. And that's another reason why we go through large sections of the apostolic scriptures regularly because we want to stay in His word, because it's all about Yeshua, because we want to spend time just gazing on Him. Um, I'll give you one more passage that hopefully will set the tone for this next year of study for us as a community. Uh, Yeshua, he had a younger brother named Yaakov. Everybody say Yaakov. 
Um, in English, that's Jacob. It got mistranslated as James in the 1500s, and it's been mistranslated as James popularly ever since. But, so he had, a, he had a little brother named Jake. And uh, I don't know if you could say he was a full brother. I guess he was Yeshua's half-brother because Yeshua's dad was God, and Jake's dad was Joseph. But they had the same mom. So they were half-brothers, technically speaking. And um, anyway, Jake wrote a letter. And uh, in his letter, in uh, chapter 1, verse 25, this is what he said. He said, The person who looks intently, everybody say looks intently, at the perfect law, everybody say perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. So did you hear that? Yeshua's little brother Jake, who grew up to be one of the great sages of the early Yeshua movement, who was the leader of the Jerusalem congregation, he said, there's, there's a certain type of person who spends a lot of time in the Torah. They look intently at the Torah. I like the word gaze. They gaze into the Torah. Have you ever seen two people who are in love? And have you ever seen their eye contact? They gaze at each other. They look deeply into each other's eyes. And that's what he's talking about there. He's talking about an intimate love relationship where we gaze deeply into the Torah. And did you notice there, he didn't just say the Torah, he, he qualified, he said the perfect Torah. The Hebrew word there means complete. I think the understanding is, if you only study the Torah, but not from a messianic perspective, not from a new covenant understanding, it will not be complete to you. But when you see Yeshua as the completion of the Torah, then you are looking at the complete Torah. So, the Torah from a messianic vantage point is how I would understand that. These people, if you go on from that point to apply it to your life, to do the stuff that he says, even if that means restructuring your schedule, your priorities, your to-do list, your diet, everything, if you go on to apply it to your life and not just hear it in your head and think that's sufficient, God's going to really, really, really bless you. You know, the blessing of God makes all the difference in our marriages, in our family lives, in our financial lives, in everything. So, like, the blessing of God is, uh, you can equivalent that with success. So, you know, success is a hot topic in today's world. Um, and, and often in, um, in sermons, you'll hear, like, you know, steps to success or whatever. Yaakov says, this is the step, these are the steps to God's definition of success. Gaze into the Torah, and then go do it. And uh, that's why we as a community, we don't just read through the Pentateuch and then move on. We gaze into it long term. Um, we're all still growing in our observance too. I'm still growing. Um, I'll give you an example. This last, this last year, uh, the annual First Fruits of Zion conference in Hudson, Wisconsin, one of the things they brought up is Acts 15. The apostle said there are four laws from the Torah that are non-negotiable. You must do these. And one of them is... Don't eat meat that has the blood in it, that's been, that's been killed by strangling. And uh, they said, you know, if we just took that one law seriously, as, if we as the body of Christ took that one law seriously, it would significantly alter the way we do our diets. And I was convicted, because I had these breakfast sausages that I really loved, and they were beef, and they had safe casings, 
but like everything from the cow went into those sausages, I suspect. Because every now and then I'd chomp down on a bone chunk. And I was like, how did this bone chunk get into my breakfast sausage? If this bone chunk made it in, what else made it into these things? How much blood is in these things? And I was, I was convicted in, in the last year. And it was kind of like, it was hard. It was really hard. I did not want to give up my breakfast sausage. Because, I mean, we were in a groove, right? It's like, I love the breakfast sausage. I need a high-protein diet. And it just works for me. It's like, oh, now I have to go and find a replacement. And we have to go shop for different sausage if I want sausage at all. And it's going to be more expensive. And there were just a lot of reasons to be like, eh, whatever. And, um, yeah. So that was kind of, kind of, that was a tough one for me, okay? So that's an example. I'm, like, I'm growing in my observance. So yes, I did, we did cut the breakfast sausage out of my life. I did have a grieving process where I, where I eulogized it and then let it go. And um, we're, we're moving on. And we've, we've found other uh, delightful breakfast foods that have, that have comforted my soul and made up for my loss. But um, that would be an example, right? So I mean, like seriously, the reason we, we keep going through the Pentateuch every year is because we have to. Because we're still growing in our observance. Because there's still areas in our hearts that rebel against the Word of God and that don't want to apply it. And so we're going to keep hitting it over and over and over. And 20 years from now and 30 years from now, we're still going to be growing. And we, He's still going to be showing us areas where we can apply the Word to our lives. So those are some, uh, those are, that's an overview of some stuff I wanted to uh, kind of just discuss in, for this upcoming year.